The following program was made possible by the generosity of those who have determined to hold fast to the true Roman Catholic religion, as expounded by the Roman Catholic Church before the disasters of Vatican II and the so-called New Mass. Father, and to the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Come, Holy Ghost, fill the hearts of thy faithful, and kindle them the fire of thy love. Set forth thy spirit, and they shall be created, and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray, O God, who didst instruct the hearts of thy faithful by the light of the Holy Ghost. Grant us by that same spirit to be truly wise, and ever to rejoice in his consolation. Through Christ our Lord, Amen. May the divine assistance remain always with us. And may the souls of the faithful departed through the mercy of God rest in peace. Amen. O Mary, seat of wisdom, pray, pray for, for us. us. Let it be the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Hello, and welcome to What Catholics Believe. I'm your host, Thomas Nagley, and with me tonight is Father William Jenkins. He's a member of the Society of St. Pius V. He's also the pastor of Immaculate Conception Church right here in Norwood, Ohio. Hello, Father. How are you tonight? Very fine, Tom. Thank you. And yourself? Doing well, Father. Thanks for being Good. here. Father, it's uh, been a while since we've talked about Francis, so could you give us an update on uh, what's going on with this upcoming Amazon Amazonian Synod and uh, what's happening with that, Father? Well, Francis uh, announced uh, that he wanted to hold his next Synod on the uh, activity of the, well, you may call it the activity of the Church in the Amazon, it's like the Pan-Amazonian region synod. He wants to talk about <clears throat> the church with an Amazonian face, is what he keeps repeating over and over again. And uh, he actually uh, kind of announced this first time in an appearance at Puerta Maldonado, which is uh, interesting because uh, Puerta Maldonado literally means uh, a, a door, a gate, or a port badly opened. Uh, Maldonado, <laughs> or badly given, I should say, badly given. It's something that is badly given, and uh, certainly it seems like a harbinger of some bad things coming. Uh, Francis, um, you know, has decided that he's going to... Um, completely change uh, from the Catholic Church to something uh, he's creating in his own image and likeness now. So he, he wants to completely, he calls reform, we would simply know it as deform, <clears throat> uh, the Catholic Church into the modernist Church of Francis by following through on Vatican II and, and realizing the full import of Vatican II making it all uh, finally come true. So he's decided that we need a synodal church, that is a church that is actually ruled by synods, in terms of what it believes, in terms of what it does. And by synod, he means getting together periodically these uh, groups of people uh, who are not only members of his hierarchy, like his cardinals and his bishops and uh, uh, but also lay people. And that's where the emphasis is, because he says that a synodal church, uh, and he says his church must be increasingly synodal, more and more and more synodal, more and more governed by synods, which he says means it should be more and more uh, a listening church. Okay? What he means by that, what he says he means by that, is a church that listens to the voice of the people. This is a church that listens to the voice of the people to know what the faith is or what it should be or how it is to be lived actually in the world today. So the model that he set up for this synodal church of his is periodically to get together uh, lay people from around the world as he got together this the young people from around the world for his uh, synod on youth, okay? <clears throat> and to get together, for example, when he had his synod on uh, family, he got together lay people from all over the world 
who are living various forms of family, uh, including broken families and people living in adultery and so on. The point is, they are supposed to lecture Francis's bishops on the realities of living the faith in the world today. Francis's bishops then, having conducted uh, their uh, their mission of listening to what these people have to say, uh, fulfill their their role now of taking what they're told is the actual experience of the people living the faith today and translate that into some kind of a document which they will present to Francis, who will then reduce that document and all of this wisdom that is coming from the people who are living the faith today into formulas. And those formulas then will be pronounced by Francis as the new doctrines, the doctrines of the new church today. Okay, This is classic modernism. If you read St. Pius X's uh, encyclical, Pascendi, uh, condemning the errors of the modernist, this is exactly what he refers to the church as working from the ground up, listening to the people, determining what their faith experience is at this moment in the, in the world history, and then relaying that to the quote-unquote hierarchy, and then they relay it in turn to Francis, as kind of the figurehead, the spokesperson, and he is going to then formulate this into statements of faith that reflect what the people uh, themselves uh, say they're experiencing in living the faith today. You couldn't find a more perfect uh, expression of modernism than that. That's what he's saying. He's saying that the church is an inverted pyramid, Uh, The power structure in his church is an inverted pyramid. And um, the the sense of what the faith is actually is conveyed from the people um, in the world and what what they're doing and how they're living their faith. That's that's what that's that's the revelation. That is revelation at the moment. So following through on that idea. Francis now wants to have a Pan-Amazonian synod. And this, uh, this bodes ill, of course. Well, much, most of what Francis says bodes ill for true Catholicism, but also for, for the world today, because Francis wants to follow through with his, uh, Laudato Si, environmentalism, and he wants to, um, focus on the, Amazonian region as the example for the rest of the world. If you read that Instrumentum Laboris that uh, his experts have put out, including the former bishop uh, in the Amazon, who is, needless to say, quite a modernist character. You'd have to read the Instrumentum Laboris, which is primarily his work, to really appreciate the significance of that. Um, the, The idea is that we're going to focus on the Amazon with the idea that it's going to become some kind of a a world trust through the United Nations. And it's going to become a model of how the world is going to then, as a world body through the United Nations, govern these areas that are so important from the standpoint of ecology to the whole world. Uh, so much so, I mean, this is such a concern that Francis is now focusing the attention of his church, the modernists on the Amazon, that Bolsonaro, who is the new, uh, the new president of Brazil, actually says the plan here or the plot here through Francis is to have the Amazonian region actually appropriated, <clears throat> taken away from the nation of Brazil and other, other nations that, you know, share this. They're something like 14 or 15 nations that, that all kind of uh, come together in the Amazon and have uh, interest in the Amazon. And that this is going to be somehow snatched away by the world body of the United Nations or some, some other 
you know, uh, like a super uh, regulatory agency, right? World agency, which Francis has already called for anyway, you know. So he considers this to be just basically a step of Francis to put into effect what he's already said he wants to accomplish. And uh, they're going to start simply uh, seizing vast areas of the world's landmass and oceans, too, and uh, taking them from the power of the nations that, uh, that now govern them and putting them on, in, into global control. So Bolsonaro himself has expressed this concern. There are also others who are, are concerned about this instrumentum laboris and the work that went before that, the preparatory document that was one of the first products preparing for this, you know, for this synod of uh, starting, a, a, again, a married priesthood, um, kind of a, a system of elders, married elders who are going to exercise sacramental ministry, so-called, in the Amazon. Um, if one reads the instrum Instrumentum Laboris, um, I don't know if there's a, an official English translation yet, but the Vatican itself has published an unofficial translation in English. I think the original document appeared in Spanish, which is peculiar because uh, Brazil does, you know, the, the, the language of Brazil is Portuguese. But for some reason, they decided to uh, to issue the this Instrumentum Laboris in Spanish. And I don't know how many official translations I have. They might have an official translation in Italian now. I don't know if they have one in English. But in, in any case, it seems to me that the reason why they're delaying giving anything uh, an official translation status in English is because they want to be able to say, well, you know, if, if these people who are quoting this document are using an unofficial translation, so it doesn't count. But nonetheless, it's the Vatican that's put this out. And it's available in English for anyone who'd like to read it. <clears throat> it is horrific. You know, even the, the Novus Ordo Catholic, the Novus Ordo people are crying foul, and they're, they're, they're sounding the alarm about this. I mean, some cardinals and, and bishops in the Novus Ordo are actually denouncing it as heretical. And, uh, I mean, they're really getting, uh, getting concerned about it. And you know what's the most interesting thing about it? Here you have the Novus Ordo conservatives in the, uh, in the Novus Ordo hierarchy of bishops and cardinals and laity who are, um, you know, crying out about how awful this is, how anti-Catholic this document is, uh, saying that we have to learn uh, the theology of the indigenous peoples in their superstitious, they don't call it superstitious, but the church has to learn their theology of who God is. The document says that. <clears throat> Pure modernism, again. And the Society of St. Pius X is silent. There's this thundering silence from the Society of St. Pius X in the face of this, I mean, full-blown crisis among the conservatives in the Novus Ordo. You know, you look back over the last few months and you see, well, okay, the you know, so many of these Lay people in the and some of the some of the clergy in in the uh, Novus Ordo got together and they they sent a letter out to the bishops of the Novus Ordo, urging them to condemn the heresies of Francis. And Pius X, SSPX, silent for one week, two weeks, even a little more, and then finally, when a statement is made is not made by the leadership. A statement is made on the website saying that, well, this letter calling for the condemnation of Francis's heresies was, you know, basically ill-advised, it's not respectful, and actually, I mean, let's face it, the problem did not just start with Francis, as though anybody was saying it did, but they, they basically slapped down those who urged the Novus Ordo bishops to accuse Francis of heresy. And uh, basically, in that regard, 
came to somewhat Francis's defense in a in an odd sort of way, you know, as though they were siding with Francis in this, that they shouldn't have demanded this, and no, the bishop shouldn't do it, you know, shouldn't denounce Francis's heresies. So <clears throat> then, then you get to the next thing. They uh, um, well, with this this Amazonian synod, for example, saying nothing about this. While the rest of the world, uh, the Nova Soto world, is screaming bloody murder about how awful it is, uh, Pius attempt, to my knowledge anyway, has taken no position on this at all. And it is a document that is basically a document, I mean, you have to call it apostasy, really. It's saying that we have to turn to the indigenous peoples of the Amazon with their indigenous culture and their indigenous religions and have their indigenous religions teach us the, the true theology of who God is and their, ex, their experience of God. And uh, the Society of St. Pius X is silent. And just recently there was a controversy. <clears throat> the church militant with Michael Voris accused the SSPX of... Uh, of harboring uh, someone accused of uh, abusive child. I'm not going to get into the controversy itself, but for the fact that church militant accused the SSPX of doing this, and it's remarkable how immediately they responded after having, you know, been silent for so long about this issue or that issue, this burning issue. Uh, uh, involving the integrity of the Catholic faith and then responding with such vehemence and such immediacy when the SSPX is accused of something like that and firing back that uh, Voris and the church militant is uh, basically uh, following a double standard because uh, church militant was defending a priest who was accused in the Novus Ordo of abusing children, and yet at the same time um, accusing the SSPX of harboring a priest who was accused uh, of doing, well, they would like to say the same thing. Uh, of course, church militant responds, then, well, they're not the same cases. The case of the priest we're defending is this, and the case of the priest that you're harboring is that and it's apples and oranges and so but what I find intriguing about the is is that even if the SSPX response well you're being two-faced because you're accusing us of harboring a priest who's accused of this while you're defending a priest on the other hand uh, who's accused of the same thing that's not basically answering the problem it's not answering the question, are you actually harboring a priest who is accused of this, credibly accused of abusing a child? It's basically saying, look, you have no business accusing of this because you're being two-faced. But it's not actually defending what they're doing and saying that they're not actually doing this. So, again, I mean, even in the immediate fury of the response, it's not an answer. It's not a response. It's as though you accuse me of doing something and I say, well, you have no business accusing me of that because, look, you're two-faced and you're doing the same thing. As though that's somehow justifying what I'm doing. It's nonsense. So we, we see these cat fights getting started here. But, and, and it's just deplorable, so to speak. I don't mean to quote Hillary or anything, but it's just a word that she... It's, it's, uh, it's very sad because they're all losing their way and realizing what we've got to do is uphold Catholic tradition, follow Catholic tradition, live Catholic tradition, and not, you know, think that we're going to somehow find a way to, to be traditional Catholics within the Novus Ordo. This is the fundamental problem of all of these people, all of these groups, all of these organizations. They they are all focused on the idea, well, let's see how we can be traditional Catholics within the modernism of the Novus Ordo. 
That's the problem with the Society of St. Pius X. How can we be embraced by the Novus Ordo, recognized, authorized, uh, be recognized by them officially as traditional Catholics within the embrace of the Novus Ordo? The Society of St. Pius X. How can we have a place at the table of the Novus Ordo? Sitting next, to, well, sitting between the homosexually oriented bishops of the Novus Ordo, on the one hand, and on the other, the communist Chinese bishops of the Novus Ordo, who are members of the Chinese Communist Party. How can we all get together and sit down at the same table? It's impossible. But this is what they're trying to do. And they're beginning to all squabble with each other now. Uh, over entirely uh, artificial, fabricated, nonsensical issues. Because they're trying to accommodate themselves within the Novus Ordo. And, you know, what they should all do is just say, look, uh, the, modernism is a false faith. It's, it's anti-Catholicism. We will have nothing to do with it. St. Pius X condemned it, absolutely. Said that it's the synthesis of all heresies. Why would we want to be associated or affiliated with it? Why would we want to be embraced by the modernists so that we can somehow say that we're legitimate because we have the approval of the modernists and try to be traditional Catholics within their fold and, and meet their standards? How is that possible? It's absolute nonsense. And why would we want the Novus Ordo, which is the practice of the religion of modernism, and therefore not, a, not the Catholic religion, why would we want anything to do with it? But they all seem to be vying with each other to... I mean, even the, 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 the Novus Ordo Catholics who are decrying this document, the Instrumentum Laboris of the Synod of the Amazonian Peoples, supposed to be coming up formally in October, even the ones who are uh, denouncing this document as being contrary to the faith, absolutely uh, blasphemous, uh, heretical, and so on, they, they then compete with each other to protest their loyalty to Francis at the same time. It's... it's <laughs> It, it's, you, you know, you feel as though you've, uh, in, in reading what these people have to say and following their exploits, it's like falling th through the looking glass. It's like, uh, it's, it's like going down the rabbit hole, as Supich says, right? <clears throat> and you wonder, uh, what is actually, what the, uh, the worm is smoking down there. It is, it is surreal for anybody who, who really understands and cares about the Catholic faith, understands the nature of the Catholic Church, and wants to follow the, the Catholic Church and adhere to the Catholic Church to, to believe the Catholic faith and practice the Catholic religion. All of this is the cacophony of those who are just terribly confused. Um, and, and I would have to say also rather dishonest. You know, when you have a, a fraternity of St. Peter priests tell people that, yes, I'm with the fraternity of St. Peter because I'm obedient to the hierarchy. I recognize their authority. And because I acknowledge their authority, I am authorized legitimately to do what I do following the traditional Catholic way. Now, all of those, those other traditional Catholics, so-called, they don't recognize the authority, and so they're not legitimate. Like a fraternity of St. Peter priest might say that about the Society of St. Pius X, might say that about the Society of St. Pius V, and they do say those things. Okay, but then you ask them, well, suppose this authority that you recognized forbade you to offer the 1962 Latin Mass and told you to give that up. What would you do? Oh, I wouldn't listen to them. You mean you you disobey them? Well, I, I wouldn't believe. They have no authority to tell me that. But you just said that you're in this vicinity of St. Peter because you recognize their authority, but you actually have the idea already in your mind that if they forbade you to do what you want to do, you would just say, well, that's too bad. I, I'm not going to listen to you. Uh, how is that honest? It isn't. 
It isn't. So at the, at the, at the root of all this is a fundamental dishonesty. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I, I'm afraid, well, I'm not afraid of this. I'm, I'm in, a, in a way, I'm hoping that the, this Amazonian synod that's going to meet in the Vatican in Rome in, in, uh, in October, I'm hoping that it is everything there that the conservative Catholics are afraid, afraid, afraid of. I'm sorry. I hope that they take that instrument in laboris and they actually uh, canonize it at this synod they've got coming up here. Not because I want modernists to triumph, but because I want modernists to expose the truth. I want the truth to be exposed of who they really are. And the uh, conservative Novus Ordo people who still have the Catholic faith, um, I'm, I'm hoping and praying that they will see the light, the scales will fall from their eyes, and they'll come to face reality for what it is. This is modernism, this is not Catholicism. These are modernists, they're not Catholics. This Novus Ordo is a modernist religion. It's not Catholicism. We cannot follow this. We have to return to practicing the true Catholic faith, the traditional Catholic faith. You know, Father, it's interesting to uh, try and tie things together and look at the bigger picture here. And, uh, you know, we in recent months had the, the explosion of the abuse crisis and, and so many things that came to light with that. And, uh, you know, you... you you, you you read about that, and then you, you remember how Francis said he wants to make a mess of the church, and uh, we have that now. I mean, he, he has his mess of the church. This is exactly what he wanted, and it's interesting to, to see how well this mess of a church lends itself to this idea of a synodal church, where, um, you know, it would be easy to make the analogy of a, a company a, a company with no leadership whatsoever and all of the employees are just kind of have some kind of mad power grab struggle. And it seems that's what's going on right now where, um, you know, you have the Society of St. Pius X or even these more conservative Novus Ordo bishops. They're all kind of loudly voicing all of their opinions and ideas right now, almost as if uh, they're hoping that one of them can kind of get a hold of this new order mess of a church and remake it to their own image because they see it right now as just an absolute total mess um, and they're, they're trying to get a hold of that and seize power and remake it to their own image. Yeah. But it, it's interesting to see how this, um, this idea of just a, a mess of a church, it perfectly lends itself to this synodal idea where, you know, Francis has so often decried this clericalism that he says, and that's just an open invitation. And by the way, he condemns that in the synod document. <laughs> well, he works everything in yeah. there. Absolutely. But, I, I mean, that... All of his favorite themes, he... he yeah. Repeats over and over and over again. And that just seems to be an open invitation to the laity to, you know, if we have this problem with the clerics, then who's going to fix it but the laity? I mean, those are the only people we have left. So come in, help us fix this. And that's that's what he's getting now. And it's just... Well, Tom, I want to do a special program on this Amazonian Synod and actually read passages from it to illustrate the point. Um... You see, when um, shortly after Archbishop Vigano revealed in his explosive letter that Francis knew about the, the evils of Cardinal McCarrick and other evil things going on, the homosexual crisis in the, in the modern church, in the modern uh, Nova Sola church, <clears throat> um, the former head of the Vatican Bank a man named El Signore Ettore Gote Tedeschi, said that what they're trying to create in the Vatican now is a new religion, which he called Gnostic environmentalism. And I'm sure most people had no idea what he was talking about. But I can't think of a better expression to say exactly what they're doing. And in fact, at the retreats I gave here, I made the point that is the one world religion. That is what they are working now to put in place of the one world religion of the one world government. That is going to be the religion of the Antichrist. 
And I'd like to take time during a special presentation here uh, to explain why that is. Um, this, this Gnostic environmentalism, Tom, is exactly what is expressed in the Instrumentum Laboris preparing for the Synod of the Amazon. That's what this is all about. And I was, as I was reading through this document for this, prepared for the Synod, like this Shema ready to be discussed at the Synod, I mean, I couldn't help but think of what Ettore Gotti Tedeschi said. This is it. It's all laid out here. It's all in black and white. They've laid out the whole plan here for us about their Gnostic environmentalism, in which we're, we're all basically part of the biosphere. We're all tied together with all other life and the life of God. And Gnosticism, we are an extension of God. We're like the spark of God in the world. You think? I mean, this is exactly going to be the message of the Antichrist, that the human race is God. This has been the message of Gnosticism throughout history. Um, the divinity of the human race. You read the Amazonian Synod uh, Instrumentum Laboris here, and you see this theme coming up. He doesn't say it in exactly those words, but you put it all together, and that's what it is. We're all part of this living being of Mother Earth that bleeds, that cries out, that does all these these um, anthropic things as though it's a person, you know, and we're all part of that. Like, uh, well, anyway, I don't want to give the talk here. I want, I want to give it, but I want to point out that it is through this environmentalism of his, what he calls the integral ecology that Francis is putting in place the the uh, the fundamental ideas of this one world religion. Now, when you want a revolution, you have to start by destroying what's there and reducing it to a mess, right? You have to destroy the structures that are there and break them all down. That's the revolution. And that's what Francis is doing. Create the mess. He's saying, destroy everything that, that has been in the past. Dissolve it all so that we can rebuild it now in our own way. And this is what he's building. Environmental Gnosticism and Gnostic environmentalism. I'm amazed at Ettore Gotti Tedeschi's insight into that, that he sees that's exactly what they're doing. And the whole point of it is going to be, we are one with the universe, and the universe is one with God. Wow. Yeah, that's Gnosticism. And you know, it fits perfectly with the history. Uh, whenever Gnosticism, there are many, many different systems of Gnosticism, but they all come down to the idea that man is God. We are God in this world. We're the spark of the divine being in this world. And, you know, you, you trace it back through history. You see the Albigensian heresy, the, the, the pure ones, the Qatari. <clears throat> the idea, they had the idea that human life <clears throat> uh, kind of imprisons God in matter, in, in life in this world. And really, man should try to escape this life. The ideal for the Qatari the Albigensians was to die, to escape this life. The divine spark in me should try to escape this life of material, which is an evil and a lesser thing created by a demiurge or a flawed god who created this. And I, whom the true god, am imprisoned here. And so I want to escape this and let the divine spark that I am escape this world and return to its glory as, as part of God. <clears throat> and you see the idea that we're going to take these spirits of the divine spark and release them from this material world where they're suffering. Well, what is, what is the story of the abortionists? These, these babies are being born into this world, and they have suffering. They're not wanted. We have to send them back to have them recycled. You know, as though somehow they're going back into this great pool 
uh, of the divine spark. We are not ready for them, though. They're coming into the world, and we're not ready to welcome them, and they will have suffering, and they will be unwanted. So now the compassionate thing is to send them back and to realize we're just sending them back to kind of uh, into a better a better life, a better world, you know? Um, there's a much better way to express this, but there's a certain mentality behind the abortion idea when you when you hear these Democrats and others, the leftists, explain their passion for abortion. You'd really think that they they think like Gnostics. <clears throat> and um, but anyway, uh, I'm going to. Uh, uh, try to, as I say, put together a, uh, a little talk on this very subject of modern Gnosticism and why it is through this idea of environmentalism and ecology and all the rest heading toward what, what is, is forming rapidly together to be the one world religion. But Father, how do you combat that idea? Because, I mean, that is, that is exactly what mankind wants to hear. I mean, that was the very first temptation that Eve received in the garden was that ye shall be as gods. And once a man has that idea in his brain, I mean, he almost becomes delusional. Um, so how do you, how do you, delusional, that's a good term. How do you combat that idea? Well, the only real voice that can withstand that is the, the voice of the traditional Catholic church, the traditional Catholic faith, the traditional Catholic religion combats that idea that man is God. It stresses the fact that man is, is only a creature, and he's a sinful creature, and he is redeemed by the true God, the one true God who created him and redeemed him. I mean, this ultimately is going to be the only thing that can withstand this, this notion of Gnostic environmentalism. I mean, look, people asked in the old days, how are we going to resist communism? What is the force that can resist communism? The answer is not capitalism, right? Because communism is, a, is an anti-faith. It's an ideology. The only thing that can withstand an ideology is a true, the true faith. That's the only thing. Catholicism, true Catholicism is the only thing that can combat socialism, communism, all the other ideologies. What is the one true faith can, that can withstand the ideology of Islam? It is the one true faith, Catholicism. It's the only thing that has the power to withstand that. You know? What is the only true truth that can withstand this Gnostic idea that man is God? And uh, the answer has to, it all comes down to the, the one true faith given to us by the one true son of the one true God. That's the only, the only possible resistance to that. And that is what Satan knows. Satan knows that that had to be destroyed. He bent all of the powers of hell to accomplish what he did at Vatican II and to, to somehow to try to destroy this. It's expressed in Voltaire's statement at the end of every one of his writings, a crossilathon, crush the wretch, crush the wretched thing, <coughs> meaning the faith, the church, the Catholic church. That is a statement straight from hell. That's what his intention was. And that's why the cultural Marxists saw the necessity of destroying every last vestige of true Christianity in the societies that they wanted to conquer and turn into Marxist, um, you know, hells on earth. They had to destroy the exaltation of virtue and the rejection of vice. They had to subvert it by inverting it, perverting it, so that now vice is what is considered good and admired and desirable, and virtue is laughable and ridiculous and actually... To be to be shunned, you know, v virtue is is to be considered so suspicious. So there's something uh, disordered about it, and vice is the ideal now. 
That's what the cultural Marxists try to do. Look what they've done to our society now. Right? Again, the only, the only thing that could possibly resist this is the power of God, the power of the Son of God, the power of the Son of God working in his church, the true mass, the true mass and the true sacraments, the traditional mass and the traditional sacraments. We know that ultimately that will prevail. We know that. But, you know, as long as we have the situation here where people are wanting to basically pretend or live this fantasy, pursue this fantasy that they can practice the traditional Catholic faith and religion within the embrace of the, of the modernists and the new order, They're, they are doomed, and they're leading people to, to, to destruction that way. They're leading everybody, they're leading people who follow them into a trap. Um, the only solution is to, to, to simply reject modernism and all of its works and all of its pumps, and to return to the traditional, the traditional, return to the belief, the traditional Catholic doctrines of the traditional Catholic Church, the traditional Catholic faith, and to practice the traditional Catholic religion. Mm -hmm. It's the only answer. Well, Father, you mentioned truth an awful lot in that, in that uh, answer there, but it seems the problem we run into so often today is that so many don't even believe in the concept of truth. And, you know, that's, that's um, kind of the idea of modernism, is that mankind creates his own truth, essentially, <clears throat> and that seems to be a natural uh, progression from this idea that mankind man is God, and so therefore he creates his own truth. But it almost, um, it just seems impossible, hopeless even to even try and reason with someone who doesn't believe in truth. So where do you start with someone like that? Again, I refer you to this Instrumentum Laboris for the Synod, the Amazon Synod. It actually says in there, the Amazonian indigenous people of the Amazon live their own truth. <laughs> well... <laughs> And they're living their experiences of the divine. Yeah. They're living the experiences of God in the Amazon. And that's why they have to teach us who God really is. See? Their theology of God. I mean, it's pagan, right? It's pagan practice. The, the document actually goes so far as to say we have to learn their practices and incorporate their pagan. It doesn't say pagan. But we have to incorporate their indigenous practices of their religions into the liturgy. Well, that makes perfect sense if you're a modernist. For a modernist, that really is. That's their religion, right? Because they say faith is your personal experience. Your faith experience is your personal experience of God in your life. And that's exactly what they're, they're, they're expressing there in that uh, Instrumentum Laboris from the Senate. This is what we're going to see happening in October. It's going to be very, very interesting to see all of this unfold now. And it'll be even more interesting to see people's reaction to what comes out of this. Tom, I wish I could say I'm, I'm uh, confident that people will finally see the truth and say enough I, I, I see the reality of, uh, of, of this whole thing and how monstrous it is and how not only non-Catholic but anti-Catholic it is. But people actually saw Francis receive that witch's staff from the hand of a Jewish Kabbalist with the red cord on her hand as she extended it and put it in Francis's hand and they saw him then carry it during their first liturgy of that youth synod. They saw him carrying that in place of a cross or a, or a, a crozier. They saw him carrying the witch's staff, the sorcerer's staff. And they just shrug and say, well, what can you do? He's the Pope. And so I, I just shake my head and say they that we will take a very profound grace from God to enable them to see reality for what it is and stop deceiving themselves and deceiving others into thinking that's Catholicism. Mm -hmm. It's not. 
that's what we have to pray for, you know. And, and I remember them. I mean, all of these dear souls out there, many of them still have the faith, but they're like sheep wandering there, and, and they've got the the wolves who are wandering or walking around dressed as bishops. We've got the wolves there, snatching and snatching and scattering the sheep, you know. At every mass I offered, I remember them and pray for them and ask God to please, please retrieve them. You know, go off in search of the lost, the lost sheep and bring them back. You know, I mean, you, you know, our, our Lord did say you had the lambs and you had the sheep, but you also had the, the goats. You know, and, and the goats are so willful that it can't do much for them. But for those who still have the faith, I mean, the lambs and, and the sheep, you, you know, you ask. Begging God to have mercy on them and to bring them back to practicing the true Catholic faith. To putting to practice the true Catholic faith in the true Catholic religion with the true Mass and the true sacraments, the traditional Mass and the traditional sacraments. So you just keep praying for that attention. Mm -hmm. I, I even pr I pray for the conversion of Francis, too. Uh, that he, too, will be converted and live, you know. Well, Father, to end on a, a happy note, I believe we have the uh, feast day of St. Dominic on Sunday, uh, this coming Sunday. And I, I once read that uh, St. Dominic said that he was never refused anything that he ever prayed for. Yeah. And uh, I believe he, he attributed that, uh, at least in part, to the power of the rosary. So do you think that we uh, could learn anything from him? And could we pray with that same faith and confidence that he had today? Oh, would that we, would that we did, right? that we did. I mean, St. Dominic was a, was a man whose will was so aligned with God. He obviously had progressed beyond the purgative way of life <clears throat> through the illuminative way. And at some point, I mean, it was entering at least, at least entering the unitive way where his will was so aligned to the will of God. I understand that St. Dominic himself, <clears throat> toward the end of his life, did say that acknowledged that he had a fault that displeased God. And that is, he enjoyed talking to young people, and he just enjoyed that company, including young ladies. He enjoyed that, you know, not in an impure way or anything, but he just found it to be, you know, wittiness, wittiness, sharpness, and so on. He enjoyed this recreational pastime. And he said that this was not worthy of, of him as a priest and a saint. And so even that little thing, the fact that he, he was willing to uh, acknowledge that he was a little too attached to that, and he gave that up. You know? So here's a man who wanted to know God's will for him and really wanted to apply it effectively in his own life. He wanted to love what God loves and as God loves. So if we would pray with that same love of God uh, that he did and, with, and all that that love brought, his, his confidence in God's mercy, his confidence in God's providence, if we could pray with that, we could accomplish so much in prayer. But it's the fact that we, we do not love God um, as, as he did, if I can speak personally, and do not have that, that, that perfect confidence in God's providence and his love for us, that kind of holds us back, you know, it, and it, uh, it strains our prayers. But if we could pray with a full-hearted prayer as, let's say, St. Dominus singing a full-throated hymn of praise to God, you know, with all of his... Uh, the power of you know his voice. Uh, yeah, yeah, yes, that there there is great power. What does our Lord say? You know? What does our Lord say about the power of those who pray with love? Um, so, um, but we also have to remember that Saint Dominic wasn't born a saint. He was born with original sin, just like you and I were born. He needed to be baptized, to be justified from sin sanctified by the power of grace. But in the course of the years that God gave him and the graces that God bestowed on him during those years, he went from that state of being born in the state of original sin 
and a reprobate, and a member of a reprobate race of sinners, he went to become a great saint. And we think about St. Dominic, we think about his spiritual son, St. Thomas Aquinas, and others, the great saints. But we, we focus on the things that they did in the process of becoming saints, and sometimes forget the fact that they didn't start that way, but they became great saints by cooperating with the grace of God. And there is no reason why we couldn't do exactly the same thing. Because the graces are there, it's a matter of cooperation. There's no reason we cannot sanctify ourselves, when I said it, by the grace of God in this life, if we would just begin to wholeheartedly cooperate with the grace of God. They had to make decisions in order to do that. The power to make that same decision is yours and mine. And everybody who listens to us right now, the power to make that same decision is there. So, uh, and God is giving us the grace to do that, to make that same decision they made. So we just hope and pray that that's uh, more and more people do that. But we have again, again, I know I maybe sound like a broken record here, but the faith and the religion that, that made St. Dominic, St. Dominic, the faith and the religion that made St. Thomas Aquinas, St. Thomas Aquinas, the same with St. Teresa of Avila and St. Teresa of the of Lisieux, the little flower, St. John Vianney, and so on. The same faith and the same religion, that's ours. That's our traditional Catholic faith. We need to live that. And that is what will produce saints. Well, thanks for being here tonight, Father. I appreciate your time. Oh, God bless you. Time. Thank you. Yeah. God bless you, too. And all of our viewers. Thanks to all of our viewers for watching this episode of What Catholics Believe. Until next time, we ask that you all remember the words of Our Lady of Fatima to consecrate yourselves and your families to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, and also to pray and do penance. Thank you, and God bless you.